Hear the Noise, a collection of stories and tales by Daniel Noy. This week, a special relationship. It took me a while to try baked beans on toast. You know the 57 variety kind? It was a combination that made no sense to me. But when Sandra's mom presented it for dinner, I had no choice. I was bought up to be plied and eat whatever I'd been given. But I have to say, once I had those beans on toast, my life was transformed. (laughs) Okay, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it was a revelation. It wasn't until we moved back to the States that I realized how different our beans taste. It's the only explanation I can think of for why this is not a major staple back home. I was super excited to be coming back after all these years. And not just for the beans. I was a typical nerdy teenager when my dad got promoted. He worked in car manufacturing, and the whole family shipped out to the UK operation. He told us with a calm excitement in his voice that we were going to Greater London. I loved British music, British actors, British fashion. And I had assumed that Greater London was the best part of London. When we arrived in a run-down town in Essex, reality hit hard. To help regain my lost anticipation, my dad also told me that my accent would make me a celebrity in high school. (laughs) I like the idea of reinventing myself, the geeky 15-year-old becoming the cool kid, just like in a John Hughes movie. But it wasn't like he promised. My voice was a sonic target for bullies. They say that the UK and the US have a special relationship. But from my time in school, it seemed to be a special hatred. Every day was hell. I kept my head down as much as possible. That was until I met Sandra. The first friend, and pretty much the only friend, I made from our time here. Our bond was formed after a less than auspicious night. I had started seeing Patrick an adolescent mothball of a boy hidden under goth bangs that he wore like an eye patch. But he liked me. And for that moment in time, there was no one more attractive to me in the world. We went to a house party in a small home with liberal parents and plenty of alcohol. As the evening progressed, the party divided in two. Those making out in every corner of every room, and those judging them whilst eating cold pizza. After a mixture of vodka, gin, and beer, drunk both separately and together, Patrick and I ended up on a bed of coats, creating memories and regrets, amongst an array of buttons, lapels, and polyester. (laughs) We fell asleep together in our cloakroom nest. In the morning, Sandra found me crying in the back of the garden. We didn't use protection, and I was freaking out. Sandra remained calm and promised to help. By 9 a.m., we were in the pharmacy to buy some over-the-counter emergency contraception. You'd have thought it would be embarrassing, but Sandra put me at ease. 
She held my hand, gripping it in a way that was reassuring and tender. You know, like she really understood me. Sandra was so relaxed about it. I was grateful. As I swallowed the pill, she told me, a hangover, the morning after pill, or both means you've had a blinder. By blinder, she meant you had an amazing night. I don't think it was until that moment that we became friends. And it was a bond that had stuck, even across the Atlantic Ocean, and a decade in time. During my period in Essex, I mean, greater London, Sandra taught me a lot of new words and phrases, but they never sounded right coming out of my mouth. (laughs) When we first moved back home, everyone thought I'd picked up the accent, but they would have freaked out if I told them about going on a bender and ending up in Mackie D's before some mingin idiot tried to cop feel. The accent didn't last but I like to drop the words in every now and again just to confuse people. It also made me more mysterious. Strangely, I was able to reinvent myself more on returning home than I was ever able to in my time in the UK. We stayed in touch, Sandra and I, and now she's getting married, and I'm back in the same rundown town as if time had stopped. Tonight was the Hindu bachelorette party for the uninitiated. Her bestie, Danielle, was the chief bridesmaid. She planned a traditional evening dressed up in plastic tiaras and sashes, armed with penises, both chocolate and inflatable. First, we headed to a Greek restaurant where waiters grope you before giving you plates to smash. I had been assured that the groping was not as bad as the food and that it would be a right laugh. (laughs) I'll let you guess how that part of the evening went. I felt sorry for the elderly couple seated in the corner. I don't think they did their research before they booked their table. I'm sure they weren't expecting to be gifted a box of chocolate cocks by some drunk woman out on the lash. (laughs) At least we gave them a story to tell. (laughs) Not long after our encounter with the elderly couple we headed to a massive club in town. Three floors of hot, sweaty people dancing to whatever EDM is trending at the moment. We all let loose in total comfort with the women around me, like ecstatic dancing. We felt joy, freedom, sisterhood. And then Sandra screamed. In front of us were Darren her fiancé and his bachelor party entourage. The two of them hadn't exchanged plans, and now both wedding groups were together, same venue, same space, and that's when the party went into overdrive. The drink was flowing, as was the chat. Darren scored us all a VIP area, and every time I turned my back, my glass was miraculously filled up. Sandra continued to dance the night away with the girls, whilst Darren looked bored and dejected as he held court on the velvet-roped seats. I was talking to this guy, well, talking at him, one of Darren's groomsmen. He reminded me of Barry Manilow. You know, Copacabana? My grandma loved him. Anyway, so I'm talking at him, and the more I'm talking, the more attractive he's getting 
blurry kind of attractive. I wanted Sandra's support and her functioning eyesight, but Darren was there, hovering, listening. I asked him, is this guy, is this guy attractive? I couldn't tell. Darren couldn't stop laughing. I think perhaps I asked him with my outside voice. His berry looked sad. I pulled myself up to get to the restroom and then something happened. Suddenly I didn't feel well. The room was spinning and the berry blur was getting blurrier and then I vomited. Wine, margaritas, potato chips all over berry. I don't remember everyone's reaction, but it doesn't take a vivid imagination to know that this is not what Barry was expecting that night. That's when the party ended for me. After that moment, I only remember flashes, images from a nightmare, distorted, out of sequence, but no less vivid, nothing less than a real memory. I don't need to close my eyes to be there again. In the club toilet. Darren, holding my hair above the cistern. He was holding too tight. It hurt. Everything hurt. I feel like my skin has transformed into a different substance. More sensitive. It recoiled from touch. I was on the toilet floor. My underwear by my ankles... How did that happen? Did I fall? Darren was standing over me. He told me to be quiet. He leaves. He left. Our secret. His secret. My secret. The sashes and tiaras came and found me later. They helped me back to the hotel. Just another drunk at the party. I don't know what happened. But I I know what happened. It happened. He happened. Darren. Sandra's fiancé. He happened. Now it's the morning. The morning after. The pharmacy hasn't changed much. The layout's the same, but this time I'm on my own when I ask for the pill. The sign of a great night. A hangover and the morning after pill. Oh, fuck off. I want to get the first flight home. I want to see my family and pretend this trip never happened. Like a bad dream I can wake from. Oh, Sandra. The wedding. What do I do? What can I do? He's a monster. But she's so happy. The happiest I've ever seen her. Her smile brings sunshine wherever she goes. And here I am now, standing in front of a fluorescent lit counter. And I don't know what to do. My phone rings. It's Sandra. 
phone rings. All my choices. None of my choices. The phone rings. I wish I'd never crossed the Atlantic. The phone rings. It rings. The death knell of the end of a special relationship. And then it stops. Special Relationship was written and produced by Daniel Noy. Performed by Celie Crossland.